1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 32 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself, and that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. Thankful for the chance to um, study your communion and to reflect upon why we celebrate this every Sunday and proclaim it uh, to ourselves and to this place. God, be with us now as we examine your scriptures. May you be honored and glorified in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I grew up in a church where uh, we would take communion every Sunday, and we also do that here at Restoration Church, and um, it was always a really important time for me, and it's funny because it would sort of like uh, be cyclical, right? Like some Sundays it would would really hit me, the significance of what we were doing in communion as we took the bread and drank the juice, and I'm thankful to have grown up in a church where, you know, there was some set-apart time to individually just sit there and reflect upon what is going on when we're taking of these elements. And, um, and I remember distinctly sitting in the pew of Sunnybrook Christian Church just thinking about how significant it is what Jesus has done for me and so many times getting the opportunity to reflect on that and be encouraged by that and reminded of it with these simple symbols. And um, and so when we started Restoration Church, we, we wanted to do the same thing, to continue to have this time of celebration and proclamation of what Jesus has done. And this beautiful imagery that God has given us in a simple uh, meal, as it, as it were, of uh, bread and juice, remembering Jesus' body and blood, is so significant, but it's so easy for us to forget or um, just sort of see it as another religious ritual and forget about the significance of it and, and forget about why it's important that we observe it well. And so we're going to look at those two things today as we've been going through this uh, vision series on what it means to be going together. We've been breaking down the various elements of that. And particularly right now, we're talking about how we celebrate together. Uh, we've seen how we celebrate together through singing uh, in worship. We've seen how we celebrate together uh, when someone comes to faith through baptism. And, and now we're going to see how we celebrate together through taking of the Lord's Supper, uh, through its significance as well as uh, the worthy observance of it. As you heard in the passage, we're reminded that, uh, that Paul is telling the Corinthians what the Lord had instituted during the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, the Jesus and his disciples are there partaking in a Passover meal. And they're celebrating the Passover. And as part of that Passover meal, Jesus introduces a new component. 
And that new component is this Lord's Supper. He says, uh, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took this bread and said, when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant and my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The elements here were not foreign to them. They, they were taking of bread during this meal. They were, they were taking of drink during this meal. But the symbols were uh, deeper than just what we know. In Passover, what they're celebrating is uh, celebratory of what God has done for the people of Israel and what He will do. There's a number of things that are going on there. <clears throat> so we're going to look at some elements of the Passover and contrast them with this new meal of the Lord's Supper and see the significance behind the Lord's Supper. In Deuteronomy 16, I have it here on the screen to you so you don't have to find it back there. Um, verses 2 and 3, it says this, And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no, un, no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it, and with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. The bread that they were taking during uh, the Passover was a reminder of where they had come from. It was a reminder of their time there in Egypt. A time of affliction, a time of slavery, a time of brokenness for them. The bread was to remind them what they'd come out of, remind them of the 400 years they were enslaved to Egypt in affliction. A significant reminder to them. During the Passover, they also partook of a sacrificial lamb. Exodus 12, 5 and 6 speaks of this. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Part of the Passover celebration was this sacrificial lamb, a perfect and spotless lamb, a lamb without any blemish. Finally, in celebration of the blood, Exodus 12, verse 7, says this, And then they would take some of the blood from the lamb and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. Further on, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In the Passover meal, they celebrated this very blood through the taking of four cups of wine throughout the meal. It's to remind them of this very time when the plague of the firstborn did not fall upon them. As they placed the blood on these, 
uh, on the doors of their houses there in Egypt, the, uh, the angel of the Lord did not come after them. They were protected. The bread of affliction, a reminder of where they were, the slavery that they were part of, a sacrificial lamb, a lamb without blemish, and a reminder of the blood that saved them. This is the background in which Jesus introduces a new component. Jesus introduces a new piece of this and says, that was what you were remembering, and that's what was pointing forward to me. The Passover's prophecy is fulfilled in the death of Jesus, and the Lord's Supper itself celebrates and proclaims Jesus' death, and it's prophetic looking forward to His return. Many of the same elements are there. The bread of affliction is the body of our Lord. Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus is now the bread of affliction. He has taken on all of our affliction, and he's nailed it to the cross. He says, I am the bread. I am the the one who has taken on your affliction. Yeah, you weren't uh, enslaved to Egypt for 400 years, but I guarantee each of us can testify to the life we lived before Jesus. We were enslaved. We were enslaved to our own sin or the sin of others. We were afflicted. Jesus has borne that affliction. He has taken on our griefs, carried our sorrows, and borne our sin. The sacrificial lamb. The lamb is absent now, isn't it? We don't prepare a fresh lamb every Sunday. I mean, it'd be nice, right? It'd be pretty delicious. Lamb is fabulous. Um, but it's absent in the Lord's Supper. We, we understand that the early church likely had full meals uh, while they were enjoying the Lord's Supper. That was a part of that meal. But there is no prescription for having a spotless lamb there. There's no indication that Jesus is saying, you need to continue to have a spotless lamb at this meal. It's simply the bread and simply the juice, the wine. There's a reason for that. Hebrews 10, 12, and following. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Why is there no lamb in the Lord's Supper? Because one sacrifice has already been made for all. The lamb was slain. The perfect lamb of God has been slain. No longer do we sacrifice any more animals 
for the restitution of our sins. Rather, by the body and the blood of Jesus, it has been done. There is no sacrificial lamb because the lamb has been slain. Finally, the blood, the blood of the new covenant. The Lord's Supper is about celebrating the new covenant. As it said in verse uh, 25, in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, we're not re-sacrificing him. (laughs) We're, We're not introducing his blood here. We are remembering what has been done. We're not doing it over and over again. We're saying his body was slain, his blood was shed for us, and we remember that and proclaim it as a reality in our lives through Christ. We're redeemed. We're righteous. We are a new creation. If we're in Christ, we are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. This is the significance of the Lord's Supper. At one time, we relied on the the blood of a sacrifice to cover our sins and to remember that which has been done. But no longer do we do that. And now we simply trust on the bread that symbolizes Christ's body broken for us and the blood that has been shed, making us white as snow, righteous in His sight. No offerings needed in any way. No sacrifices needed in any way. This significance of the Lord's Supper encourages us and reminds us to celebrate it in a worthy manner. As the passage continues in verses 27 to 32, it encourages us uh, to not be flippant in our celebration of the Lord's Supper. Verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. There's two pieces of this examining ourselves and examining the body or discerning the body. First, examining ourselves. We look at this bread and this blood and we don't take it as a sacrifice. We're not doing this action to somehow uh, forgive our sins. Our sins are forgiven and we are celebrating that fact in this ceremony, in this remembrance. And when we do it, we we desire that we we don't just do it as some religious action or ritual. We do it remembering that which has been done for us. Broken body of Jesus, blood spilled for us. There's a time of self-examination that ought to be there. Uh, I can remember again times sitting there in the pew and just thinking, God, like, you took on my sin, like, you bore all this junk that I was caught up in this week. You knew it, and you died for that. 
I had heard uh, Craig Groeschel give a sermon on the Lord's Supper. He's a Life Church pastor there. And uh, he was talking about preparing for the Lord's Supper, and he was giving some advice, actually, to ministers who were taking the Lord's Supper and preparing people for the Lord's Supper, uh, because one time he was in front of a congregation and, and had grabbed uh, briefly a piece of bread to take up with him as he began to, de- uh, to tell about the Lord's Supper. And when he took this piece of bread, he actually didn't realize how large it was, and he started chewing on it, and it was chewy. And so he was trying to like get through this bread without spitting it out so he could move on to the next thing. And um, that image always sticks in my head because how interesting it is that bread is like kind of sticky, right? Just like our sin. And that picture always reminded me of that, that. Like so often we get caught up in this bread of affliction and it's all stuck on us. Jesus took that for us. He took our sticky, chunky sin and bore it to the cross. He washes it white as snow with the blood that is perfect. We examine ourselves. We recognize what God has done for us personally. Finally, he also says that we discern the body that we recognize that, that God has done something in the body of Christ and that the needs of the body of Christ must be taken care of. Let a person examine itself then and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. <clears throat> I believe there's a corporate discernment that happens. There's a... Uh, a reconciliation that needs to occur between us to make sure that we we understand each other's needs and that we're meeting each other's needs, that we're not just taking this and and taking it for ourselves and not even thinking about the rest of the body of Christ that is there. One of the things, as we studied on Thursday at Bible study, um, that Paul is addressing here is that in this time, uh, there are wealthy individuals who are celebrating the Lord's Supper, while other individuals in the church itself are going hungry. Some, it says, are, are even getting drunk while they're at the Lord's Supper, while others are having not enough to eat in the body of Christ. He says, How, like, why am I having to say this to you, church? And so what he's telling them now is, yes, examine yourself, but make sure you know that you're part of a body, a body that is unified, a body that is one. And so if one part of it is suffering, don't be uh, celebrating and in, 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 in gorging yourself. Well, one is broken. Discern the entire body and care for it as one. <clears throat> Worthy observance of, this, of the Lord's Supper is one that examines what it means to us and how it's changed us that Jesus died for us and poured out His blood. It's also a recognition of the body of Christ that God has connected us to, that we would care for it and build it up and strengthen it and take care of every need that it has. Without examination and discernment, the results can be spiritual decay, emotional brokenness, and as this passage says, even physical brokenness that occurs. We'll go with these few things. 
First this, the Lord's Supper proclaims the gospel. Jesus died to bring new life to those who trust him. And every time we take of this bread and drink of this juice, we do it remembering the core of who we are, that God came to earth in his son Jesus Christ and died for our sins. And his sacrifice has been finished. And we stand righteous in him and him alone. The Lord's Supper proclaims the gospel. Finally, we need to examine ourselves with gratefulness for what Jesus has done for us. In no other religion of this world do we depend on God to save us, on God to step in to our lives and bring us back to himself. We examine ourselves with gratefulness that that which we could not accomplish on our own has been accomplished in our Savior. And finally, let us discern the condition of the body of Christ and bear its burdens unto the cross. The one place where all our burdens, spiritual, emotional, physical, will be met and provided for is at the cross, where we recognize how selfish we are and how unselfish we ought to be, and then pour out ourselves for one another. Let us bear the condition of the body of Christ unto the cross and provide for one another and make sure that it is cared for. The time of celebration that we get to partake in the body of the Lord and proclaim His death until he comes again. That his blood has made us righteous, that we stand before him without any guilt or shame, but righteous and complete in Jesus. Let us pray. God, we're so grateful for what you've done for us. We're so grateful that we have the opportunity each Sunday to come together and to remember what you've done for us and to proclaim it, to speak it over ourselves remind ourselves that you have died for us. All the guilt and shame has been taken away and we stand righteous before you in Jesus. And then we get to proclaim uh, to the world as we stand here and as we look forward to the week ahead that, that, that you've done this for us. We pray as we continue in worship. And God, as we pray for the needs of the body of Christ even uh, here very soon. <clears throat> Lord, that you would be honored and lifted high. We're so thankful for your blood, Jesus. So thankful for your body broken for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.